Welcome to the 32nd episode of the Animal Riot Podcast, brought to you by Animal Riot Press, a literary press for books that matter. I'm your stand-in host, Katie Rainey, filling in for Brian Birnbaum while he's away. I'm very excited about our guest today. Joe Walters is the founder of Independent Book Review. When he's not doing editorial, reviewing, or promoting work at IBR, he's working on his novel and trusting the process. Can't wait to hear about that. (laughs) Previously, he worked as the marketing director at Inkwater Press and as a fiction reader for the Indianola Review. Did I do that right? You very well Okay. All these words and bios (laughs) trip me up. He's published stories in magazines such as Literary Orphans, The Ergonaut, and more. And he tweets at JoeWalters13. Hi, Joe. Hey, how's it going? I'm really excited you're here because I happened on IBR's website while I was just like researching around and finding things and was really excited to see somebody doing the work that you're doing, which definitely want to get into. And I want to read your about section. From the website, because I think it says volumes about what you guys do. Independent Book Review wants to help you discover your next favorite book and to help the authors who are writing them. Books that you've just got to hear about are being published by small presses and self-publishers every day, but they're rarely on the shelves of your local bookstore. Why? Because they weren't published by the big five. And you know what? We think that kind of sucks. And we think that kind of sucks too. Yeah, which right? Is, yeah, why we, that's kind of why we started... Tell me, tell me about Independent Book Review, what you guys do and what it is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I started this April 2018 after my, uh, my stint over at Inkwater. I kind of realized the self-publishing and small press scene had a lot of difficulty getting books into bookstores and libraries. And I, I was kind of on the back end of that, talking to the authors and hearing what they want, really, out of the experience. And a lot of the time, it's just for as many people to read their book as possible. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately... Even though the book could be as as wonderful as any of the ones published by the big five publishers, people just weren't willing to take a look at it. Yeah. And so I started Independent Book Review to focus specifically on the small presses and the self-published authors, where I, I kind of vet which ones come in and, and take a look and just kind of research which ones I think sound amazing and find some of the best covers I can see around and build up a team of reviewers and basically just put together a document first to try to see if this team would want to take a look um, uh-huh. and want to want to read a few free books. And then we kind of moved on from there. Everybody really started to enjoy it and we just kept on building. And I guess we got to where we are now. Well, cool. So how many reviewers do you guys have? Probably somewhere around 10 at this point. Yeah. So how many, how many reviews have you done total? Oh, I don't know, unfortunately, because we we have the ones that are published on the website. And then we also have the editorial book reviews. So personally, I've written probably somewhere around like 30 plus reviews since April 2018. And then the team, I do a lot of the editorial reviewing. Jalen, my uh, creative director, does a lot of the editorial reviewing as Mm -hmm. well. But the reviewers focus mainly on the books that I, I think are really interesting coming in through our submission queue. So I would probably put our number, including my 30, I'd probably say around like 60 to 65. Wow. Yeah. That's a crazy amount. So how you read... A lot of books, man. Yeah. And like, I like books, but it takes a long time. Yeah. (laughs) How, so are you getting a lot of like small presses sending you their books constantly now? Yeah. I mean, since we've been able to kind of establish relationships, which is, again, is one of my favorite parts about this, Mm -hmm. like the big five, they're not answering their emails and sending you thank you notes Mm -mm. when you write reviews for them, but Mm -hmm. there are one to five people behind a lot of these presses. And they just really appreciate the work that we do. And so 
whenever we come in and, and do a good job for them, they're really willing to send a physical arc over to our, our house and we can take some nice pictures of it. And it's just been a really nice experience getting to know them. You review self-published books too. Yes, we do. So I'm really interested in that aspect. And like, what do you think of self-publishing, first of all? What are, what's your opinion on it? Yeah, I mean, first, I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's really awesome that anybody who has a dream of getting their work out in front of other people, it's a direct outlet. The fact that you have to submit, even though maybe you're just wanting to publish this book so your friends can read it or your family can read mm-hmm. it. And it would just mean a ton to be able to see it between book covers. And the fact that self-publishing is available for them is just so amazing. And really, they even get to have a nice little chunk of the sales from it too. Yeah. The, the royalty makes a big difference. Traditional publishers in the big five, if, if you're making just a small portion of each book sold, but with self-publishing, that rises completely. And of course, the self-publisher has to cover all of the production. So they're paying for covers, they're pl- they're paying for editing, they have to pay for formatting. They, they're putting out a ton of money in the beginning and through marketing as well. So while they have to pay quite a bit, if they do a great job, if they put their book out there and they make sure that the world can see it with the help of Independent Book Review and other places, <laughs> uh, <laughs> then it can really work out for them. So I, I love self-publishing. I know that some people feel that there are just a ton of books mm-hmm. out there now. Do you have any? Well, how, how do you feel about self? Yeah, no, it's a yeah. great question. So we ask a lot because I'm, sh- you know, there was a time in my life where I poo-pooed self-publishing, mm-hmm. as most writers do. Yeah. And when you one, when you start to get into publishing yourself, you're like, that is an incredible undertaking to self-publish a book. Like you have the like you have to be smart there are a lot of things that you have to figure out and know and yes amazon's making it easier and easier for you to just like put your like print out your book and like for your friends to buy it and stuff but to actually like make a a self-published book successful takes a lot of skill and knowledge and so i'm actually like an admirer of self-published authors now and essentially that's what any small press almost is in the beginning like Mm -hmm. Most small presses I know, we start with our own books. Like we're starting with Brian Birnbaum's book yeah. because we want to make all the mistakes on ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't want to take somebody's work. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's he he was gung-ho about being the guinea pig. Oh, yeah. And he's pretty excited about it. And like we, yeah, there were definitely mistakes we made and we were just like, okay, well, we won't do that with the next one. Yeah. And, but it's been going really great. And then the other thing, like we... So, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm telling this story again on the podcast. <laughs> Usually this is Brian that tells this story. Okay. And I'm sure like folks who listen to us regularly are going to be like, seriously. So there, have you ever heard of the writer Sergio de la Pava? I uh, have not, no. So he is a public defender. And about 10 years ago, in between like his 80 caseload a year, he was like sitting in the courtroom writing this novel and wrote this like seven, 800 page novel that is incredible Mm -hmm. that no one would pick up that, I mean, probably over 150 rejections by agents and, and publishers, like no one would pick up. So his wife, Susanna, who is also a public defender, both just like they're we call them the de la pava crime family they're big supporters of us and they're amazing humans but she took the book and self-published it 
and she did all the marketing and everything and sold something like 30,000 copies. Oh, jeez. And then it got picked up by the University of Chicago Press. Oh, that's wonderful. And now he's publishing with Pantheon, the imprint out of Random House. Oh my gosh. So like it uh, yeah, we were we were on our book tour, on our collaborative tour last week in North Carolina. We were we were going around to different bookstores doing talks about publishing sure. with another press. That's great. And met a ton of self-published authors and like we had them talk about their experience and it's quite incredible just like how much like people have to like go and figure out like one lady joked that she went to the you know university of youtube to figure it all out oh my gosh like that's what you got to do but some good stuff on there yeah (laughs) yeah so i like how many how often do you get self-published authors reaching out now largely self-published authors are reaching out Yeah. yeah so we have a we have two different ways that we find the books First would be straight through our website. There's just a a page that's called... How I Found You. Get Your Book Reviewed. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where a lot of the time it's self-published authors who discover independent book review through Mm -hmm. various different ways. And just head on, give me their blurb, give me their book cover, and send me the uh, the PDF file. And so I would say probably 75% of the books that are submitted to us are through self-published authors because mm-hmm. they are working their asses off to yeah. make sure their books get out there yeah. uh, because they have nobody else to do it for them. And so they're out there doing that. And then about 25% of the time, small presses find us, publicists find us, or the author themselves find us, and they reach out and they follow the same protocol. And so in order to kind of make it balanced, I so in addition to the, the submission that we get through our website, in order to make it balanced, I, I do research myself. I love to to wander through the uh, the interwebs and find the incredible indie presses that mm-hmm. are out there. I just have a blast. I head on to Poets and Writers Small Press Database, mm-hmm. and basically I just scroll through whichever thing looks great, and they specialize it by or specify it by genre. Mm-hmm. So I have specific readers on my team who, spe- who specialize in specific genres. So there's an indie press who specializes in romance. I'm going to head in there. I'm going to see which covers catch my eye, which blurbs catch my eye, and I'm going to see if I can grab that for them. So a lot of the time we get those submissions, and then I'm going to go ahead on one day and do about 12 hours of research, find some awesome indie presses, and, and reach out and see if I can get those books for them. And a lot of the time, they're willing to send them out. So you guys do all genres? Yeah, we do. Poetry too? Stay, stay away from religious texts just because I don't yeah. know who's reading. But everything else we're really open to as of right now, since I do a lot of the reviewing and Jalen does a lot of the reviewing, we love literary fiction and I'll love anything with a little bit of magic realism to it. Mm. So a lot of the time, I, I take special attention to those and we don't have quite as many sci-fi readers on my team that i'd like but at the end of the day we want to review everything there's so many authors out there there's so many great books and really i don't have enough reviewers in special genres to take care of everything but hopefully we'll get there how do you get reviewers how have these people come onto your team a few of them have found us just through a little bit of like previous working together. So I've got a couple self-published authors on there, like Gary Corbin is a terrific thriller writer. Rhonda Reeves writes some really nice literary thrillers as well. And they're both self-published authors. They found us that way and just asked if they would be interested. And after that, I kind of went on and created a write for us page on Mm -hmm. Independent Book Review. And you can go ahead and find that now. And basically all they had to do is reach out to me and let me know what their experience was, what kind of books they like to read. And I kind of vet them and, and make sure that they're able to to do a great job for each book yeah (laughs) and so we've we've garnered 
more than 10 and I've had to pull it back just because it's a ton of work on my part. Yeah, because um, you have to edit all of them and get them ready for the website. Yeah, edit them and then read them as well and then work on other stuff and there's only so many hours. Right. So are you looking, so you're not looking for more writers right now? If you specialize in, in sci-fi fantasy, if you specialize in poetry, I'd love to get way, way more poetry readers. If you specialize in more literary too because Jalen and I have our hands full a little bit and we're one of the few literary readers on the squad yeah. so if you love to read literary fiction and you're interested in reviewing self-published and yeah. small press literary fiction just reach out to me and we'll see if we can work together are the reviewers paid at all not right now no so for editorial reviews they are paid mm-hmm. uh, so whenever somebody pays us we're able to pay for it right but as of right now since we don't have any like advertising revenue coming in which is still hopefully coming in the future Though I, I plan to pay my reviewers, yeah. I try to tell as many writers I can that even if you're not getting paid to write reviews, like it's good practice to write reviews. Just, I mean, in general to be reading, but there are so many opportunities. If you write reviews consistently for other writers, by the time your book comes out, you're liable to have like a huge platform that's going to oh write gosh, you yeah. a review too. I mean, that's what we're seeing with Brian for years. He wrote reviews for, mm-hmm. you know, Atticus review or, um, he would like, we would get coffee house press books all the time Ooh, and, and write house. like, I will write them. They still send me books. And yeah. if I had time, I would write them reviews all the time, but yeah. it's, it's just really good practice for writers to, oh. to do that and to build, it's a easy way to build your network. Yeah. I mean, just, just think about it in terms of if you are a writer and you plan on having a book, coming out how would it feel if somebody read your book and reviewed it Mm -hmm. for free that's really nice thanks for reading it thanks for helping spread the word about it thanks for putting it on independent book review which has a pretty Mm -hmm. nice website like thank you for making my book sell better i'm gonna remember you might follow you on twitter and like hang out for a while you guys have a beautiful website Thank you so much. Who does really the website? That. That's Jalen. Jalen Carell. She she came up with that, the hand paperback idea. She runs our Instagram page and she always does our, we do bookstore hauls where we love to travel. So we've bounced around the country a little bit and stopped in different cities and she'll take the photos. And then once we realized that we kind of liked the the personal aspect of having a paperback as opposed to just having the digital cover up there. Then she came up with the idea of having one uniform photo for these paperbacks that are coming in. And basically we just walk around neighborhoods and find different backgrounds that match really well with each book cover. And it's really just done a great job for cleaning up the website first and foremost mm-hmm. and making it seem like somebody is behind these. You know, there's a, there's a team who read it. One person read this book and this is what they have to say about it. And I'm really, really proud of the way it looks. I think Jalen's done an amazing job. And you guys have other services that you provide through independent book reviews, not just book reviews. What are some of those other services you guys provide? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of my plan from the beginning was to have an entertainment portion, which provides authors with promotion. And that kind of brings everybody in, brings the writers in and brings the readers in. And then on the other side, I know that as an indie author, it's really, really difficult to hire your team of production, your mm-hmm. production team. There are a ton of editors out there. There are a ton of book cover designers, and there are a ton of formatters. Formatters, yeah, yeah, yeah I said for, that that's right. A word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, it slipped out really strangely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you just gotta really know that this person is gonna work hard for you. Yeah. And and take care of the product that you really care about. And so, the goal really was to run two different things. Is 
the independent book review promotional part, and then to be able to have trustworthy author services that people can come to. And so right now we offer uh, developmental editing, which is the big picture edits that really is essential to making sure your story is perfect. Mm-hmm. Not perfect, but story is the best it can be. Mm-hmm. Editorial letters, which basically developmental editing is a pretty expensive asset that you have to hire for your team. And then the editorial letter is more like a manuscript evaluation. It's not quite as in-depth, but the editorial letter will let you know what exactly is, is kind of off with your story yeah. right now and, and how you might be able to go ahead and fix that. And then in addition to that, I am I was the book marketer at Inkwater Press. I also just do freelance book marketing. If you want to contact me and see if you want to sell your book a little better, if you don't really know what you're doing to try to reach out to reviewers, I'm here for book marketing publicity at, at an hourly rate. And then we also offer... There's one I'm missing here. Group beta reading, which I'm super excited That's about. That's what I saw. I was going to ask about the group thing. Yeah. So what, so what does that look like? So... Basically, I just I just knew that getting beta readers is a fun experience as a writer. You're finally ready to, to share your book with a handful of people. But it's also kind of difficult to guarantee that not only are you getting the, the feedback in the first place, because sometimes they just kind of disappear, mm-hmm. but you're getting quality feedback. Yeah. Sometimes those readers are like, yeah, loved it. Good job. It's like, you don't need that. Really? I'm glad that you liked it, but like... Can you tell me something yeah, more? Yeah, what did you like? Something. Was there anything wrong with it? Like, could you fix something? And so I went on Fiverr a little bit and, and knew a few authors who I, I know provide really great feedback and just decided to, to put together a team of mm. vetted beta reading pros who would be able to not only do a really good job with your manuscript and tell you what's wrong and tell you how you can fix it from a reader's point of view instead of straight editor's point of view and to do it at a at a a reasonable price. Beta reading is a part of the process, a part of the publishing process, especially when you're doing self-publishing. And I know how much money it is to self-publish and Mm -hmm. and we just kind of want to work with authors there. Yeah, you guys have really affordable services. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you only publish good reviews, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that and like why, why that decision? Short answer. I think it like I never want to hurt anybody's feelings. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think bad reviews are press in general, but really I just want to make sure that our website is really browsable for readers. Mm. First and foremost, I want readers to be able to go on there and see like, wow, that cover not only looks cool, but this, this story sounds amazing. And yeah. then you go to the next one and the story sounds good and the story sounds good. And you have, instead of just going to your local bookstore and just kind of scrolling your, when I would go to a bookstore, I usually would head in there and I felt like I knew I, what I wanted to read. Mm-hmm. But then once I got there, I was like, oh, you know what? There's a ton of books around here. And I would just head into to Goodreads and scroll lists of like, what books should I be reading? And really, a lot of them were classics. Almost all of them were big five yeah. publishers. So if you're going to a bookstore and you're ready to just scroll, or if you're online and you want to make sure that you are going out of your way to support indie authors and and small press authors, then you kind of need a database to tell you where the good, which ones are the good ones. There's a million books out there. With self-publishing, they're just happening all around. And if we could be the source Mm -hmm. for readers to like, yes, I want to support them. Yes, I know they're good. And I know these are the books that are good. So long answer for the, for the short answer of it's tough to, to send your book out to somebody and to hear that things aren't aren't good about it and to share it with a ton of readers why why they weren't good yeah there is room for feedback 
in books. But when it's already published, you're not going back yeah. to edit it, really. You've already sent it out there. And I don't I don't think it really, it benefits the author. And, and we really care about the author of it in Book Review. So. And I, like, I agree. Like, I mean, also self-published authors and indie authors, like they're not, you know, we had an author on a couple episodes ago, Nina Butsikaris, who, who's, her book had just come out and we were talking about good and bad reviews. And like the, the literary part of us is like criticism is good like mm-hmm. criticism moves culture criticism like does things but i also get like the point where it's like small presses are already up against a mountain anyway and oh, yeah. so are self-published authors indie authors and so it's like what's the point of publishing a bad review on a book like if it's really that bad just like don't review it yeah like, just like stop reading it just, just stop reading it's <laughs> they're, okay yeah. it's they're okay not to they're not going to get the publicity that like now you know somebody publishing with random house i think is like totally fine to yeah. say like okay why did this book get published like let's sit here and have like a dialogue about this oh, and i love yeah. to talk about when stories don't work it's like one of my favorite things give me a bad tv show or a bad movie to talk about i'll be gone for an hour and a half you guys do have a <laughs> blog on ibr right like we do. there's so do you talk about some of those things on there um i plan on moving in the direction of yeah. of movies and like other forms of story and just mm-hmm. doing things like that i never really want to bash anything but if you can learn something from a from a bad story because you can mm-hmm. you just know yeah, they hit these plot points, but was every plot point cliche down the road? And should I try to avoid that in my own writing? I think it's beneficial to to jump into stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I do want to like focus a little bit on you and ask, you know, you about your personal like writing career and your sure. life and things like that. When were you born? I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> Start from the beginning. Like what, what led you, you personally here and like what's kind of your, the trajectory of your writing career look like? Yeah. So freshman year of college, I took a, a comp course where we were asked to, to write a book. It was a short, write a short book. book. <laughs> yeah, right. And just like, just write a, write a novel, you'll figure it out. Instead of spending like persuasive argument or persuasive and argumentative mm-hmm. and exposition and just like doing the regular comp stuff, they asked us to write something creative and just get the words out kind mm-hmm. of for the entirety of the class. And it was the best time I ever had. I, I had no idea that not only would I like it, but that some of the stuff kind of came out sounding okay. Yeah. I still re- remember a lot of it. It is that, not good. That, that was the Nobody first time should ever did. read that. I think I burned <laughs> it. That was but the first time you'd ever written? First time yeah. I ever written okay. was freshman year of college. And then I got, I got pretty into it. And so toward the, yeah, so... After I graduated, so I was writing all throughout college, and then after I graduated, I noticed that a, a literary magazine was hiring volunteer readers. A brand new literary magazine was haunted. Volunt- what was the magazine? Indianola Review. Oh, okay. And they're defunct now. But oh, it was, really? Yeah. Did that just yeah. recently happen? Nope, it was a little bit ago. I swear I thought I saw they were... Is there one that has like a similar name to them? Probably. Okay. Yeah. I still have no idea what it's based on. I know it's a town somewhere. I just don't Mm -hmm. live there. But I learned an insane amount from working on that magazine. Worked Mm -hmm. with some really talented editors and got to see the submissions that were coming in and figuring out why they weren't working well and hearing the other readers on the team saying the same things that I was saying and saying and realizing that I like also realized what's going on here why aren't these stories working and what can I do in my own fiction to try to fix that and so I was submitting to short short fiction journals for a little while had plenty of rejections and got lucky with a few uh 
few online mags and then started working on my novel once we moved up to to Rhode Island. I was a uh, secondary ed English major in Mm -hmm. college and realized very quickly that teaching was not the thing for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Just not it. So That's good. Most people who teach do not realize that it's not for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they do and they just stick it out anyway. And I I root for them to quit. (laughs) Just get get out of there. (laughs) But Jalen and I were planning on moving in together and we were going to either do it in Pennsylvania or just go somewhere else and give it a shot. So we moved up to Rhode Island and just became servers because we still didn't really know what we were doing. When was this? 2016, okay. I think. And that's when I started my novel. Hung out there for a year and served. And then we moved to Oregon. And I started serving there as well until I saw on Craigslist that Inkwater Press was looking for a marketing director. And I was really, really, really always interested in getting into publishing. Somehow, mm-hmm. it didn't matter what. I just wanted to be around books. And so found that. And I, I got the job and got some incredible experience over there, not only with understanding how the publishing world works, but getting better throughout that entire time working on my own book. And then once we were ready to, to get out of Oregon, great place over there. Literary scene's amazing. Pals is, yeah. I dream about it every yeah. day. Are you at AWP uh, this year? No, we left right before, right before it, like it. amateurs. Yeah, It was my first year. It's nuts. All you went. Yeah, I was like dead when we came back. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it's just like an it's a crazy s- social I don't want to say nightmare. Like there's so many people around all the like, time. Like you put the world's most awkward anti people <laughs> people into a room and everybody's just like, Oh, how do we interact? That's not on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> witty remarks. Small yes. witty remarks. Yeah. That's all you can do. <laughs> So hung out there for a little while, but realized we missed home. And so Pennsylvania is home, and we we moved back, and I decided to give Independent Book Review a a full-time shot, really. And I started it back when I was in Oregon. But then once we came over here, it was time to to sit down and make sure that I was getting, giving it all the time that it deserved. So, Well, before we, we I I have more questions about your trajectory and everything, but I think maybe if you you feel like reading, do you feel like reading? Sure, yeah, I can read for you. Let's hear some of your novels since we've been talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or are you going to read something else? Yeah, I'm going to be reading from the novel. Been working on it for like many years, five probably. Yeah, Yeah, I started the story a while ago. How finished is it? Finished four drafts right now. I am working on cleaning up the middle and cleaning up about like the three-quarters version or the, th- the three-quarters point. So I'm hoping once I clean up that middle and clean up the three-quarters, it'll be a line edit or two away from submitting. So, Are you going to go the agent route? And- I want to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, uh, I love small presses. I want to submit only to small presses. But yeah. at the same time, Big Five Publishers, that is the way to get the word out sure. as much as possible. And agents are the kind of the Let's way to do it. Let's not lie. You so. and I would both take that paycheck oh, if offered. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, All right, so here, uh, here's a thing about Ronnie. Here's chapter one. Ronnie lay on his belly in the grass of the front yard, the mud smearing his T-shirt every time he moved. He felt dirty and heavy this way, like the mud was concrete like it would stick to his shirt and his skin beneath, and he'd never be able to shake it. On any other day, this feeling would bother him. He would run inside and not cry and stand under the shower with his clothes on. But today, he kept digging in the grass beside Grandma's garden. Keeping some of the yard with him didn't sound so bad. Arthur the earthworm, who had been living in the garden, curled in Ronnie's cup left hand. He slid around the walls of Ronnie's fingers, slimy and wet, trying to find his way out. Ronnie held him tight, giving him air holes. 
He whispered the same words to Arthur that Grandma had said last week. You're going to like your new home, and everything is going to be just fine. Ronnie stacked small pieces of broken sidewalk along the circular hole in the grass, building walls with them, the beginning of a ceiling. But the pieces kept falling down. This made Arthur happy. He danced in Ronnie's hand. In his best grandpa voice, Ronnie tried explaining to Arthur that he was sorry he had to move, that it wasn't his fault, but Ronnie would take good care of him now, in his new home. That was what parents were supposed to do. Mom and Dad had been living with Ronnie, Grandma, and Grandpa for about two weeks now. They'd been doing real good ever since they got back. Nice, fun, all the good things and none of the bad. That faraway place had fixed them like it was supposed to. When Mom and Dad and Grandma and Grandpa sat him down on the couch last week and told him they'd be moving to a new house, he hadn't known Grandma and Grandpa wouldn't be coming with them. He learned that last night, after Dad came stumbling home. Today, while Ronnie was digging, the front door opened and closed real fast. Ronnie knocked more pieces of sidewalk into the hole, but this time by accident. Grandma and Grandpa walked the fastest toward their boxy white car in the driveway. They said something Ronnie couldn't hear. Grandpa ducked into the not driver's seat and Grandma shut the door for him. Before she could get to the driver's side door, she saw Ronnie staring and stopped. Ronnie looked down at the hole. He dropped Arthur inside of it, maybe just a little too hard. We gotta go to the doctor's, okay, bud? She called, walking over. Grandpa's heart hurts again. Ronnie didn't answer. He stacked the pieces of sidewalk along the hole. That way, he didn't have to see her face, remind himself of what he wouldn't have for much longer. She kissed the top of his head. She was always real good at that. Mom and Dad are going to watch you until we get back, okay? He made his pointer finger into a worm and slunk around the hole with Arthur. Ronnie? The car horn beeped for real long. Ronnie jumped a little bit. Arthur did, too. Grandpa leaned his head back against the seat cushion, his hand pressed against his chest. Ronnie thought he could hear Grandpa's heart monitor beeping from the garden. Loud, fast, loud. But that was probably just in his head. Grandma raced back to their car. When she got to the driver's side door, she waved at Ronnie and then ducked in. Ronnie didn't wave back. Instead, he turned to Arthur, who squirmed around the hole, trying to find a good spot. He tried sliding his head through a hole in the dirt one time, but he couldn't get far. He just turned and circled the hole again, looking for a new way out. It might have been a million seconds, or it might have been two before the front door swung closed again, a loud clanking noise. Dad walked fast, fast, fast toward his orange car, two bulky black trash bags in his hands. Mom came stumbling behind him, dragging her trash bags through the dirt. He tossed his bags into the back seat, then grabbed Mom's and did the same. When she turned around, she smiled and waved at Ronnie. Ronnie waved right back. Dad headed toward the house with a faraway look in his eyes. He might have seen Ronnie, but he might not have, too. Ronnie smiled just in case. Mom stood tall in super tight blue jeans and a tucked-in t-shirt. When she got close enough, Ronnie saw red spots under her eyes, like she'd been rubbing them hard. She smiled a school picture smile and said, You want to go for a trip, dude? When the front door closed and Dad was gone for sure, he asked, in silent speak, if everything was okay, if this was another bad thing. She smiled at him, not showing her teeth. He said, Okay, softly. Just a few more bags, all right? Ronnie nodded. He watched her disappear through the front door and then turn back to the hole. Arthur's leg, or bottom half, was crushed beneath pieces of sidewalk. They had fallen in again, or maybe Ronnie had pushed them. He picked them up quickly, telling Arthur how sorry he was, 
how it wouldn't happen again. He placed the pieces back around the hole where they belonged. Arthur slid around in a tight circle, like a dog getting ready to pee. And then he stood on his leg. He aimed his face right at Ronnie and said, It's okay. I like you still. Ronnie smiled wide. Most six-year-olds didn't know how to talk to worms. But that was the thing about Ronnie. He could make things happen when he really, really needed them to. The first time Ronnie made a magic thing happen, he was living in, a small, in his small, dirty house with mom and dad only. He was four years old, and mom and dad and Ronnie were almost always having a very fun time. But mom and dad started doing a lot of bad things after a while. And one day, dad ran away with the car. Mom cried alone in her bedroom. When Ronnie knocked to see if maybe he could get her a Band-Aid, she yelled at him like a so loud thing. His eyes filled with water real fast. Mom flipped face down onto her bed, screaming into her pillow. The water spilled down his cheeks, puddling at his feet. A few seconds later, water crashed through the bedroom window and started filling the whole room. First, it just covered his feet. Then it went to his knees. Then Mom wasn't on the bed anymore. She was swimming around the room, goggles and a snorkel on, moving her arms back and forth like on TV. Ronnie had run down the hallway and let the water chase him. Even though he was scared about it at first, he made the whole world better by just letting it happen. The water felt warm on his toes, on his chest, his face, and pretty soon, he was swimming too. When the front door opened at Grandma and Grandpa's house, Dad came out and said, Get in the car, Pigpen. Ronnie stood real fast, so quick that nobody could ever be mad at him. Dad walked toward the driver's side. Ronnie ran toward the back. Mom dragged one final trash bag through the grass and tossed it into the back seat. Before he got in the car, he stopped, turned around. He almost said, wait, out loud. He sprinted back to the hole and, went and bent down and whispered, can you tell Grandma and Grandpa that we'll be back soon? They didn't like it when he left without telling. Ronnie, Mom called. Bye, Arthur. He jumped in the back of the car and squeezed himself between the two full, so soft black trash bags. When Mom closed the door behind him, Ronnie looked into the rearview mirror, searching for Dad's eyes. He wanted to check real quick if maybe the bad things weren't coming with them, but he couldn't see a thing. That's it. Whoa. What's happening with Ronnie? There's some magical realism there. Yeah, a little bit, I, a little bit of I weird hear. stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the impetus for this story? Why this story? I started out, so when I was substitute teaching, I had this one kid who was 15 and who always talked about his parents like he loved them and they were like the coolest people. But then at the same time, I overheard him talking to his friends and like mentioned that he like slept under a bridge one night and he didn't really make that connection. He slept under a bridge one time? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was talking to his friends and let them know that he like snuck out and slept under a bridge. And I was like, there's, there's a sadness there and there's like a scaredness there. Even though he wasn't like making the connection between like these parents who he talks about, like they're the coolest people he's ever met. Mm-hmm. And he's told me that he loves them like so much. But then they're clearly doing something to him that is bothering him. And he wants to get out, but he kind of like can't put together that they're mm-hmm. not right. So I started out telling his story when he was 15 and then kind of realized that his story started a lot earlier than that. And then I had a little fun with just the idea of using more magic realism. And so basically, a thing about Ronnie is about where he finds a, a portal in the back of his apartment closet's wall, but it's not a portal. It's mm-hmm. just a hole leading to the apartment next door. So okay. he thinks that world over there is really great for him because there's people over there who aren't his parents behind him. Ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so there's a nice little, uh, nice little play on basically something that he wants is real and attainable. It's just like he 
he has to guard himself from his real life. Yeah. It's been a really fun ride getting to know him as a character. That's so sure. it's you consider it YA? I started it as literary, yeah. um, just because that's what I know. And so playing around with the idea of it being middle grade at this point, just because he's so young. Yeah. Um, and I know middle grade can also have a few darker elements, which is included yeah. uh, with the with the poor parental treatment. So I have a feeling I'll be moving in the middle grade direction, uh, but as of right now, I'd probably call it literary. So have you already had beta readers and editorial readers and everything on it? Yeah, I've had, I've had one round of beta readers, and I've been a part of plenty of critique groups where I get to talk in person and get to know how people are responding in person, which was really fun. How did those go? How did um, that help you? Great. I mean, really, I've known throughout all the critique groups that the story isn't done because there's plenty of work to do and I know that I mm-hmm. kind of want to get it right so what it really did for me the most was kind of just give me the inspiration to keep on going hearing people in person telling me that that things are are going in a good direction and they're mm-hmm. interested in the story just feels nice what small presses do you know that like work on middle grade I, I don't even have a list unfortunately yeah, yeah so throughout most of my research I pay a lot of attention to the genre stuff mm-hmm. that my reviewers read and not as many people are jumping in to middle grade and YA as I thought, because they really are such fun genres. I don't know if you've read much, but it's just a bunch of stuff happens all the time and the yeah. language isn't hard. That's great. I love yeah. that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Make it easy for me and entertain me at the same time. I love movies yeah. uh, with little kid okay. characters. And so... Well, cool. If we've yeah. got anybody shopping around looking for middle grade fiction. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll let you know. Hey, call me up. I'm available. I'm really interested in this aspect like you I mean right now you're mostly doing this freelance and editorial work right for your living yes yep how like how did it how did you build that up how long did it take and like what kind of work did you have to put in because I'm sure like most people most writers are like yeah I would rather do that kind of work than serve or a lot of people than teach or things like that so yeah so I started in April 2018, and I made what I realized while I was at Inkwater was people were paying for sponsored book reviews a ton of money. So like Kirkus is, I know four seventy five five seventy five for one like five hundred word 500 review. Five hundred word review, and it just kind of like it hurts my feelings, but it also puts <laughs> puts me in a position where I know that like I can write a great review for somebody I can make it useful for them and I don't have to break their bank because they're probably not gonna they might not make $600 their entire time yeah so I prettied up the website with the help of Jalen and made sure everything looked nice and made sure that it was reader friendly first and foremost and people started coming for those sponsored book reviews and then I've reached out to a a publisher called Paper Raven Books. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to doing those reviews and doing editorial work, developmental editing. How much are your paid reviews? The remix. I know, right? My paid reviews are uh, $59. And so those, I moved away from sponsored book reviews and went to editorial or book reviews, which is first and foremost an unpublished review where Mm -hmm. you can take quotes from the review and use it for your marketing material. Mostly because I, I care a ton about the interface of the website. And, and I, I want to make sure that all the books that we put up there are something that we would recommend to readers. And for sponsored book reviews, you have to publish that regardless. Yeah. And so we moved away from that. If we like the book, if our reviewer likes your book, then we publish the review. So we just can't guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
59 bucks and you, and you get those quotes that you're looking for in five weeks. And it's been a really just wonderful experience so far. A lot of people have been really happy, but it's, it's nice being able to provide that for them. Back to your, the freelance though, where we were interrupted yeah. by siren. <laughs> so I get about half my income from IBR work, from editorial mm-hmm. reviews, from my developmental editing, my editorial letters. And then the other half of my income comes from a company called Paper Raven Books, a publisher called Paper Raven right. Books, where I'm the, uh, the back cover blurb and metadata specialist. Mm. So I'm kind of doing the research into which keywords, which categories authors should be using when they're self-publishing. And so we submit them. I, I use a, a, I guess I'd call it like a, a tool that basically helps me realize what people are searching and which ones would most benefit us to use as categories for that book. I do blurb and metadata specialist and then I'm also the book review targeter, the Amazon book review targeter. So oh, wow. yeah, yeah. So reaching out to plenty of people after the book has already been published to to see if we can get upwards of I mean, always reaching for a goal of like twenty five plus, but some reviewers disappear, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's or tough. isn't twenty five plus on Amazon like the target, like you have to yeah. have that in order to be start appearing on certain lists and things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty five is a big one. Yeah. Which is so sucks. I hate that that's all right. I'll I'll go on during my research to try to find small presses books. And I read a small presses book and it's incredible. One of the best books I've ever read and has three reviews on there. I know. It's frustrating. Yeah. It's just like, if your friend writes a book, go review it. Yeah. Please. Yeah. No, we, I know we have, we're already, we're sending out our people on it. Yeah. You have to. You do. You guys are just, you're, doing such important work for small presses and like we were saying this a lot on our tour last week so our our literary tour that we did in collaboration with another press is that we were going to these local bookstores and talking with folks and, and the bookstores about their communities and how like book local bookstores aren't just bookstores they're places of community they really curate their stores in a way that like Barnes and Noble is not and when you walk in there they're going to be able to pinpoint you titles that you would never have come across just on your own finding which is like what small presses are doing as well like they're finding writing that you would never find otherwise and so we were really just trying to like talk to people about like because most people when they open a book unless they're a publisher or involved in publishing in some way do not look at who published the book they don't care they just want a good story yep so you guys are really doing that work of helping them find that good story which is amazing I mean we need like there's no other service like yours right that caters just to small presses so forward has a similar forward reviews has a similar plan that we do but again, they are, have a ton of sponsored book reviews on there. Mm-hmm. So their website provides all of those reviews yeah. for them. And I'm really thankful. First, it's it's difficult unless you pay them to actually get reviewed from them, yeah. um, especially if you're a very small press. Some presses have been around for a while and they've been building and building. But I'm thinking more about the people who are just starting, Yeah, people who have four people on their team and don't have books they've sent to Forward, and Forward trusts them already, so you can, they'll review them for free. Yeah. So we're, we're just a step earlier than Forward, I would say. Love what they're doing over there, and they're a big part of, of why we were doing it. But they also have different variations in terms of since they do sponsored book reviews, their website isn't necessarily a scrollable, all the books are good. Mm-hmm. Every book they love and every book they would recommend. Ours does that. Uh, so things a little different. Well, cool. You guys just moved to Philadelphia. 
I will be right. moving in a month. And yeah. moving in a month. Yeah. What's what's the Philly scene like? What's the Philly literary community like? Oh, man, there's, there's a ton of stuff. There yeah. really is, yeah. So we just came from Portland, and Portland was pretty amazing with their literary scene. Uh, but Philly is just so... The literary community really does stick together there. There are some... So I, I know... So Eric Smith lives in Philly. Uh, sorry if I'm calling you out or anything. <laughs> but plenty of small press authors, plenty of literary organizations, like Blue Stoop is an incredible literary organization for writers. And everything is kind of burgeoning right now, too. There's plenty mm-hmm. of people who are, are coming together. And I think AWP will be in, in Philly in a year or two. I oh, think. really? Yeah, after Austin, I think they're coming okay. over to Philly. And plenty of presses. Uh, Split Lip Press is based out of Philly. Oh, they're great. Uh, Split Lip is, is awesome. Amanda Meske does yeah. a great job over there. And then uh, I know a few uh, literary magazines are, are through there earlier. And you were talking about Atticus Review is based in Philly yeah. as well, right? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah. Great. Love well, it. cool. We're yeah. excited to see what kind of collaborations and things you guys start doing with the community there. Yeah, I'm excited. This is the first time anybody has heard my voice. <laughs> so it's hopefully beautiful. they'll see my face at one point. And I think they, they probably will in Philly if you come on out. So where can, can folks go to check out the work? What do you want them to do? Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, head over to independentbookreview.com and get yourself scrolling. I think you'll find a lot of books that you'll like there. And if you're a writer, head over to our four authors section too, because in addition to the author services that you're free to go ahead and take a look at and ask me questions about, we also publish material that's specifically for writers. So today we publish something on self-editing for fiction writers. Head in there and just learn a little bit. We have stuff for literary organizations that might be in your area. We have different classes that are set up just for you. You'll have plenty of uh, different opportunities to, to learn about book marketing on our website. You'll learn about editing on our website. And while I'm uh, one, of the, one of the few people who's putting out the blogs as mm-hmm. of right now on our website, we're only going to continue to grow. So if you get to know us now, you're going to go ahead and, and learn a ton during your writing process. So independentbookreview.com for you. Head over to Jalen's independent pen and book, book review uh, Instagram page because she's doing a hell of a job. Over yeah, there. I saw that. A hell of a job. You'll be able to, to, to see a bunch of really awesome new books and the books that are coming in the mail for us and the bookstores in probably your area that you should take a look at. So that's independent book review to, or independent book review on Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, we're Indie Book View. On uh, Facebook, we're Independent Book Review. And then we also run a, uh, a Facebook group as well called On Writing where you'll be able to uh, just kind of Talk to us, let us know if you have questions, and then in, in addition, you'll be asking, as of right now, it's a little small, we got about like 250 people in our group, but everybody's kind of talking, everybody's getting to know each other, and we're only going to get more personal and mm-hmm. just helpful down the road. So Awesome. Really great resources for writers. I think so. Well, thank you so much for being here, Joe, and for doing what you do. This is a huge service to small presses. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and review on whichever platform you're listening. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Animal Riot Press or through our website, AnimalRiotPress.com. This has been the 32nd episode of the Animal Riot Podcast with me, Katie Rainey, your stand-in host for Brian Birnbaum. Thanks to our special guest, Joe Walters of Independent Book Review. Our transcripts for our deaf and hard of hearing animals are provided by Jonathan Kay. This episode was cut by our podcast assistant, Dylan Thomas, and we are produced by me, Katie Rainey. See you later, you filthy animals.
sir, it's the burn. Bombing on yelling, getting gully as the fern. I don't know much about Lee.